right. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I enjoy these times where we are able to come together uh, and just feast on the word of God. I mean, just get into the word of God, see what he's talking about. God gives us so many good things. Um, there's just, I mean, truly he is the bread of heaven. Every, every time I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know how you feel about it, but every time I come to the word of God, every time we get to this, this, these sessions, God just, you know, it just gets better and better word that you can actually use something that you can feed your, your family on something that you can feed on. And you know that it's going to yield results because it's just the word of God, not us adding to it but just God talking to us. All right. We've been talking about, um, we've been talking about brother David. We've been talking about his family. We've talked some about, um, Saul and, um, and it's, and, and it's been, it has been good. We are in our, um, in our, in the sixth part of this, um, series, and we're going to keep going with it. I know we got to eventually get back to our, uh, Psalms 27 that's, that's coming, but God had us segue into this for a reason. Let's go ahead and read our scripture this morning. Uh, first Samuel chapter 17, start at verse 32, going through 37. Make sure you have your Bibles with you. You're always going to need that. Amen. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with thee. Amen. We, uh, um, it's nothing like God's word. And, um, when we approach God's word with humility and reverence, respect, not, not coming to his word, thinking that, you know, everything, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. We are in need of a teacher and there's nobody better than the divine teacher himself. We are all his students. And when we approach the word, we must remain in the attitude that we are students and he is the teacher. He is the master is when we start getting beside ourselves. Well, we know how that worked out for Satan. That didn't work out too well. So we, we got, we, we need to follow that example and learn from that and stay in our place. You know, God put you in your swim lane. So make sure you stay in there. You and I, we are not God. We don't control anything. We don't run anything, but God does. And you know what? We're on his side. And last time I checked, that is the winning side. Uh, last week, we talked um, really uh, about um, really forgiveness and, and, and things of that, that sort. We really, um, we, we learned that, um, um, that David, was tasked with bringing uh, his brothers and the captain of the host. He was tasked with bringing them 
um, provisions, okay? And his duty as given to him by his father, Jesse. Remember, David is in the employ of Saul, but Saul and the, ar and, and the, and the, uh, and the army went out to fight. Okay, they went out to fight. Now, David did not go initially with them. Evidently, probably David was on leave at this point or something. But David ended up making his way back home when he got and, and uh, with the purpose of feeding his sheep. And we learned and we talked about that, how uh, it's God's intention that number one, that he continuously feed his people. We learned that. Amen. And that was uh, and now and I don't know about you, but that was um, that was good to know. Ezekiel 34. Um, verses uh, 15 through 16, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Somebody need to hear that this morning um, because the Lord goes beyond just telling you literally in this scripture that he's going to feed us. He says, I will seek that which was lost. And some of you are dealing, and this goes right along with what we talked about last week, dealing with family. And we have these issues. Amen. Um, dealing with family and things that you cannot overcome and things that seem insurmountable. There are issues that, um, that, uh, that, that come up and family gets in trouble and you need God to deliver. And sometimes family can get in, people can get in so much trouble that it can look bleak. It can seem like it ain't no coming back from that. But do you hear what the word of the Lord just said in Ezekiel 34, 15? He said, I will seek that which was lost. See, it ain't this. Listen, when you going after your loved ones, it's not just you. But when you rest in the Lord and when you decide that you're going to lean on the arm of the Lord and not the arm of the flesh, that you going after your loved one in the name of Jesus, not going after him. Look, if you go after him on your own strength, you're going to run out of strength because you're not God and you don't have an inexhaustible supply of energy. No, you don't. Not on your own. But God gave you something to overcome that. What did he do? He gave you him. That's the Holy Ghost. That's God. That is him. That's God Almighty residing in you. 24-7, 365 days of the year, 66 on the leap year. God is with you all the time. And his spirit is with you. If you are, if look, if if you are on the Lord's side, you've been obedient, you've done, you followed the process, the plan of salvation according to the Bible, the one laid out as it as clear as can be in Acts 2 and 38. Listen, you on the Lord's side, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you're going after loved ones, you listen, it is not just you. I know it can look bleak. It don't matter whether, listen, are you going, is it a marriage that you're going after? Wanting it to be repaired? Let me tell you something. Hope is not lost. He said, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken. Do you, do you hear, listen, the, do you, I hope you're hearing the blessing that is nestled in this scripture. He said, I will seek that which was lost. That literally means that he's saying, I will find what you can't find. You have loved ones and friends and, and, and that seem so far away that you don't even know where they are. I just want to encourage you, put them on in the hands of the Lord. He said, he'll see. He said, he'll go after them. You look, you may have lost the trail. Don't know where they at, <laughs> but guess what? God is still on the trail. Absolutely. Glory to God. He says, and bring again that which was driven away. 
Sometimes our conversations drive one another away. Our ways of acting, hear me, those of us who are married, those of us who are parenting, all of these different things. There's a lot of reasons that and a lot of things that cause a lot of frustration to come in and we drive one another away with our actions and with our words and all of these different things. But do you hear the word of the Lord talking to you this morning? Say, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away. It might seem like it's insurmountable. It might even feel like, you know what? Too much has been said. Too many things have been done. But he said, he'll bring again that which was driven away. Mother, are you estranged from your daughter? Father, are you estranged from your son? or vice versa. God said, I will bring again. Glory to God. You got to learn to put things in God's hands and leave them in. He said, I will bind up that which was broken. Somebody says sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie and a half. Words do more damage to people far more than sticks, stones, and swords and stabs. It doesn't matter. Words have been responsible for more destruction than anything else, words. And it leaves people broken, leaves relationships broken, families broken, all sorts of, of, of connections broken. But do you hear the word of the Lord speaking to you in Ezekiel 34, telling you, I will bind up that which was broken. I will strengthen that which was sick. Words have, can, don't just break, but they have a way of poisoning actions and, 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 and reactions to things and stances that people take and lack of stance that people take in situations, standing when they, should, when they should sit and sitting when they should stand and being in more or less out of sync with the time and what's going on. And all these things can cause just a little bit of poison to seep in. Before you know, you're starting to be, become sour and all of these different things. But did you hear the word of the Lord in Ezekiel 34? I and will strengthen that which was sick. Glory to God. God is able. God is absolutely able. And so with this, um, we learned that God's intention was is to feed his people. Amen. We also learned in Luke 22, 32, John 21, 17, that it is God's intent that we also uh, participate in the feeding of the sheep. OK, looking after our brothers and sisters. OK, so David was to bring these provisions when he went home to feed the sheep. J Jesse caught a hold of him and Jesse told him, I want you to take these provisions. All right. And I, these provisions and I want you to check in on your oldest, your, 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 your three oldest brothers who had um, signed up evidently or, or in for the for the war campaign. So they're fighting under Saul. And we read about this in First Samuel 17. You can look at verses 17 and 18. And 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 we talked about how those campaigns didn't really last all that long. And um, and and because of that, those who were part of the um the army oftentimes were part of really um, a, a militia of sorts. So these were volunteer soldiers, volunteers, people who decided I'm going to do my duty. Amen. Amen. And bless the Lord. There's a lot of people, even in our, uh, even in our nation, we praise the Lord for those that would, that, that, that volunteer to, to serve 
um, to protect this country. We, we praise God for that. Amen. We praise God for those that have a heart to do that. So we have, we pray a blessing over our soldiers and over our veterans and all of these different things. Amen. Those who work to guard the borders. That's important. Amen. You have people volunteering to do that. Amen. Back then, and you have it doing today. So it's important that we always show honor and that we show respect uh, for that. Amen. Because it is a sacrifice. And sometimes people don't come home. Amen. Amen. And so those are things that we must always keep in mind and we must always pray and make sure that we cover them in prayer. Amen. Number one, praying for every soldier's soul salvation. That's number one. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody. But then we also pray for God's protection on them. Amen. Amen. And so they, David's brothers were, were, were more or less volunteers for Saul's army. And they were fighting and they were on the lines along with the rest of, of the army. And during those days, because of these campaigns um, were not that long, and you often had people who were volunteering to fight with that, these individuals were often supported. This is what we learned. Were often supported by the home front. So this would be in the family and the friends who were looking after them. And we talked about last week how that we, we really hammered in even further on the, uh, on the truth that the Bible reveals that we are our brother's keeper. Now we learned about that, the scripture for that specifically is Genesis 4 and 9, and you'll be dealing with Cain and Abel. And we talked about those different things. Um, and, you know, those those different things and that we are our brother's keeper. We also learned that Cain committed, basically Cain committed double homicide. He had killed his brother in his heart long before he did it with his hands. Hatred is what we learned about and unforgiveness and the lack of compassion. And we talked about how th those things alone are going to be more, probably more responsible for a lot of people who think they're going to heaven to find out they ain't going to heaven. No, you can't operate in hatred. You can't operate in, in malice. You can't operate in prejudice. You can't operate in none of that stuff. No, 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 no. You cannot do that. Matthew 5, um, 21 through 24 and 1 John 3 uh, and, 5, and 3 and 15. Amen. I'm gonna read 1 John that, uh, 3, 15. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. And he know, and, to, and ye know that no murderer have eternal life abiding in him. Now you need to understand what that means because you you don't you don't you don't this is this is heavy. Let me break this down for people who do not understand this and have not uh, have not understood. The word of God here in John, John 1 John chapter 3 and 15. Notice the language of the scripture. He says, whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Now, this is in companion. This goes along with Matthew 5, 21, 24. It's expounding on that. Okay. Amen. And he says in, in first, he says, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, you need to understand. The Lord told us that his words are spirit and they are life. Amen. The scripture also tells us that when it comes to eternal life, we have it. Why? Because the Holy Ghost or the spirit of God dwells within us. Remember, if any man hath not the spirit of God, the word of God says what? He is none of his, meaning that he has to have the Holy Ghost. That's what that's talking about. So when you look at John and what he's telling you, and he says, and know that no 
murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Abiding in him means dwelling. We did a whole lesson back in um, dealing with Psalms talking about the word abiding and how it means to dwell. It means to set up shop. It means to camp. Now, I want you to understand the language here. When the apostle tells us here that no murderer, amen, hath eternal life abiding in him, do you realize what he's really saying? And keep in mind, he's talking about hatred. Whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. Okay, murderer hatred in God's eyes is the equivalent of murder. Amen. You may not have killed that person physically, but in your mind and in your heart, you have killed that person. You are done with them. You will not deal with them. You will not talk. You will not. Act, you won't. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You have shut up your bowels of compassion. That's what it means to hate a person. To truly hate a person. That's what, that's what it means. And what John is saying, the apostle is telling you, is, is that to the person that hates, that person is a murderer. And if he is a murderer or she is a murderer, they do not have eternal life biting in them. In other words, what he's telling you is that person does not have the Holy Ghost. Do you hear that? That is what he's telling you. That person, a person who lives and dwells in hatred, it's not possible for you to stay to have the Holy Ghost. Now, what does that mean? That means you can't get the Holy Ghost. No, that's not what that means. What that means is, is that that Holy Ghost is not going to stay. God's spirit is not going to stay. If you continue in hatred, if you continue in malice, if you continue in wickedness and all forms of hatred from prejudice all on, you need to understand you're going to cancel your flight to heaven. you going to, that, look, yo, 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 <laughs> that, Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. Can I tell you that your room that's booked under you, hatred is going to cancel that reservation? Maliciousness is going to cancel all that? See, you can't, let me, let me put it to you like this. Family, you can't say that you love God. And then husbands think it's okay to mistreat their wives and wives think it's okay to mistreat their husband and to go on and on and on with that. The Holy Ghost is going to check out. Why? Because you are refusing to submit to God's authority. And he's telling you right now, no murder hath eternal life abiding in him. That means it won't stay. It won't dwell. That means God won't dwell there. So that's a heavy thing. That's a heavy thing. Make sure you understand that. A lot of people don't get that. He's literally telling you that murderers, and, and, and remember, he's talking about uh, hatred and hatred being the equivalent of a murdering. He's telling you that these folks, they don't have eternal life abiding in them, which means that they don't have the Holy Ghost. You cannot be saved living in hatred. I understand somebody may have done you wrong, legitimately. And as we said last week, you got a right to be mad. But God never give you the right to stay mad. You got to let God pull that out of your heart. It cannot live. It cannot dwell. Why? Because God is literally, what he's really telling you here what he's really saying here is that God is saying, I'm not going to live inside you. 
as a roommate to hatred. You're not going to do it. That you, I, I hope you hear. I hope that you hear the depth of what of what of what First John three fifteen means. God refuses to dwell in your heart if you continue to feed and nurture hatred instead of letting Him take it out and you walking in righteousness. So make sure you don't do that. Okay, you don't want that to be your end. Before a whole lot of people. That is exactly going to be their end. They think they're going to heaven. They think that they go, well, I'm still going to church. Oh, I'm still clapping and praising. I'm still streaming the service. I'm still attending the lessons. But God knows you hate your husband. God knows you hate your wife. God knows you're hating your children. God knows that you're hating people. God knows all of that. And I'm telling you right now, your reservation is canceled. Your flight plan, it's canceled. You're going to be on a perpetual delay until you get it right. But you don't have forever to get it right. So let God pull that stuff out of you. I know this stuff is hard and you probably never heard it like that before, but you need to hear it because this is what the word of God says. And we're not going to come with no, with, with no fairy tales and, and no candy land. We're not going to do that. That's going to, that, that'll hurt you and not help you. Wickedness and sin have to be driven far from our heart. And the only way to do that is with the word of God. Amen. Amen. So the Lord prepared us. We also learned in Matthew and we learned that God prepared us for offenses. He told us Matthew 8 to 17 offenses will come. But he also told us that we that, that those who offend are not going to get away with it. And we also discovered that many times people who um, have a trouble with forgiving and letting things go, it is because they feel somewhere, somehow that that person, if they let it go, is going to get away with it. But we gave you scriptures. We gave you, we gave you Matthew 18, seven. We gave you Deuteronomy 32 and 35. We gave you Romans 12 and 19. We also gave you Hebrews 10 and 30. Why did we give you those scriptures? To show you that God has said that the wicked or those that offend you don't even need to worry about them getting away with it. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He will repay. Ain't nobody going to get away with anything. So you are free to let it go, to release it. All the anger, all the hurt, all the disappointment, all the bitterness. You are free, family, to release that into God's hand. You don't need it no more. Jesus said offenses are going to come. And unfortunately, on life's journey, offenses are like those shiny rocks that appear to be gold that we see along the road of life's journey. And so we walk by and walk up to the shiny stone of bitterness and we pick it up and we put it in our satchel or our pack and we keep moving and then we go a little bit further and somebody else offends us and and that offense is uh becomes another shiny stone seems like it's gold we pick it up we polish it and we put it in our satchel or our, or our pack and we keep going we keep going and we keep and we and we wa wash rinse and repeat this process 
until you look up one day and you realize something. All of those stones that you picked up, they didn't add anything beneficial to your life. They didn't add anything wholesome to your life. They didn't make you stronger or faster or better in any kind of way. No, they didn't do that. What they did was they added to the weight. And now all of a sudden, you're weighed down because you're carrying stones that the Lord never intended for you to pick up. But the Bible says, lay aside every weight that so easily besets us. You got to put those stones down, family. You got to put them down because they won't serve you. They won't help you. They won't help you at all. Part of what it means to make sure, so David went to make sure his brothers were okay. Part of what it means to make sure that our brother and our sister is okay often means working to restore those who are overtaken in faults. I want you to turn to Galatians. I want you to look at chapter six. And I want you to, I want you to pull up verses one and two. Galatians chapter six, verses one and two. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ i said part of what it means to make sure one another is okay means working to restore our brothers and sisters who are overtaken and fought you know what this world makes it so easy and unfortunately learned bad behavior makes it even easier for us to just turn off and turn a deaf ear and turn a blind eye to people. We can shut down people so fast, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, a, a common word that <laughs> goes around a phrase today talking about the way society is, you'll hear this phraseology often, you'll hear about cancel culture, which is that of, the, that of somebody doing uh, one thing or um, wrong and, and then and, and virtually being shunned. Um, by all of society. Well, cancel culture has been around well before we done came up with this, uh, with with this this uh, with a phrase for today that deals with this social society that we um, that we so that we so to speak li live in. People have been canceling one another in their heart forever and a day, and sad to say, many Christians are also guilty of this very type of thing amen we've been canceling folks before canceling was even pro was even popular and we've all and 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 what to make it worse we have found a way to do it in the name of the lord that ain't god's listen you can't use god's name for that foolishness god ain't endorsing none of that not at all my bible tells me you gotta love your enemies you got to pray for them that spitefully use you. That's what the word tells me. Word tells us that you got to turn the other cheek. You got to offer the other one. That's what the word of God teaches us. Galatians here, six, one through one and two. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, 
ye which are spiritual. Are you spiritual today? Are you spiritual? Many of us fall flat on our faces when we attempt to restore a brother and a sister, a family member, whatever it may be, and, and have been unable to figure out why. And I'm gonna tell you why right now, because you're not spiritual. You're not spiritual. See, some things, you're not gonna be able to just do on your own. The Bible teaches us that, that it's hard to win back a brother that's been offended. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It talks about that. Talks about that. One scripture, matter of fact, says, I was wounded in the house of a friend. Somebody who's supposed to be close to me. Somebody who's supposed to be looking out for me. The person is supposed to have my back. This person's supposed to be closest to me. For a husband, it could be your wife. And for a wife, it could be your husband. For parents, it can be children. And for children, it could be your parents. It could be all, it could be friends, acquaintances, it could be family, it could be anything. People who are supposed to be close to you can end up doing you some of the most grievous wounds. And these people can be hurt and it can be hard to bring them back from the place of hurt, but what is impossible with man is possible with God, amen. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. That means to restore a person who has been offended and has hurt, you can't do it using conventional wisdom in your own way, no, no, it ain't gonna work. You need the spirit of God. You got to do it God's way, amen. That means it's going to take a little bit of prayer. And in some cases, a whole lot of prayer. And it's going to take a whole lot of obedience. Walking in compliance with the word in order to bring a brother or a sister back. See, sometimes people don't understand why people, you quick to, to label, to, to point out the person that's backslidden. And most of us use that phrase, don't have a clue what it means to backslide whatsoever. But sometimes people are not backslidden. They've just been hurt and they've been offended. And they've been hurt and offended by our foolishness. And it ain't that somebody's turned, it ain't always that a person that turned their heart on, on God. Uh-uh. It ain't that they tired of God. Many times it's that they tired of you. And it's because you won't act right. You won't live in obedience according to the word. That you keep reinforcing the case for some people. Now, some people, it is legitimate backsliding. Amen. Turning away from God. But that Bible says I was wounded in the house of a friend. Some people, it ain't, it ain't, it's not that they've backslidden. They just don't have time for your foolishness. They don't have time for your unrighteousness. They don't have time for your hypocrisy. And we keep more people away because of a, a walk that is unholy and unrighteous, wicked before God. 
one that we have painted a spiritual gloss on, turning away from our brothers and our sisters, talking about we doing it in the name of the Lord. Because that person is falling and saying, uh -uh, no, 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 you got it all wrong, friend. You got it all wrong. That's who you're supposed to turn to even more with more love and compassion. Because love will go where you came. And God is love. Do you not see and are you not reminded of the testimony that we have in scripture? Of how Peter was able to walk on water at the bidding of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What does that mean? He was able to go where you can't normally go. He was able to accomplish what can't normally be accomplished. See, that's the power of God. God can bring a loved one back from the brink. You can't, but God can. And God wants to use you in order to do that. But what does that word say in Galatians 1 and 2? If a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual. So that means first getting the word. If you're going to restore somebody, get in the word. Get in that Bible. Stay in that prayer closet. Let God purge all the foolishness, all the hatred, all the other stuff. Get all that stuff out and get all that stuff gone. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That means you got to be humble. That means you got to be gentle. That means you got to be compassionate. Not every situation requires a hammer in order to restore. Sometimes you got to be a, use a little bit more finesse and be a little bit more delicate. You got to be led by the spirit. You got to stop trying to talk for the spirit and let the spirit talk through you. The word tells you that his ways are not our ways. Your thoughts, guess what? They don't, they're not a mirror image for God. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. God is holy. And the only holiness that we get is holiness that's conferred upon us, which he gives and grants to us when we are obedient to the scripture, which means that when we ain't obedient, when we refuse to walk in the word of God, you're not holy. I'm not holy. I'm unrighteous. Our holiness, our righteousness is of the Lord. Glory to God. Restore such one in the spirit of meekness. Uh-oh, but here go the caveat. Here go to, here go to, here, here go to, here go to the gotcha part. Here go to part that you need to pay attention to. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. When you're going to restore somebody that's been overtaken in a fault, let me explain something to you. You got to do God's way from the start and you got to stay in God's way all the way to the finish. When people are offended, they act out of hurt. Okay? 
when people act out of hurt, many times they will act and undertake, they will do things that are, they usually will operate and do things that in turn hurt or have the potential to inflict, inflict wounds. In other words, hurting people hurt people. People who are hurting tend to hurt others. When people are wounded, they are hurting. And the initial response when you're hurting, let me give you, let me, let, let me, let me make this point. Imagine that you fall down and you take a really bad, a really bad fall. Okay. The fall is so hard to where you feel like you may have broken something. You can't move. You're on the ground. You took one of the worst, worst falls of your life. Somebody is there. Some people are there and you fall and you know, and you hear something or you feel something seem to give. You know something is wrong. You know with everything in you that something is wrong and it is hurting and it is hurting. And many of you have, have experienced this now. And if you have, go back in your mind. When you felt that way, what was your initial response to someone who tried to help get you up? Initially, you have the mindset that says, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I don't want anybody to, I don't want, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Somebody moves in and they begin to, to make their hand, take, to make their way to maybe it's your ankle or whatever else it is. And you're like, no, 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 don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. You know what I'm, if you've had that and most of us have, you can identify with what I'm talking about. You can be hurt in such a way that initially, even though you need help, you don't want anybody to touch it. You don't want anybody to handle it. Why? Because you're afraid you're hurting. You don't want it to hurt more. The reality is, is, is that in order to heal, it may have to hurt a little bit more because eventually someone will have to get you up and you will have to be moved and you will have to be taken care of. You will have to be bandaged. You will have to be worked. You get what I'm saying? These things will have to happen. In order to get to the healing, you will have to work through the hurting. And, and, when, and, and when that person realizes that, they, they know that they need somebody to help them, right? So what they begin to do is, is that they allow the person to come in and begin to help them, right? But they find themselves just be, be gentle, be, 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 go slow, go, they, you know, don't, 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 don't go too fast. Don't, don't handle too, too, too roughly or whatever. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the same thing that happens when a person is offended. At first, they don't want to be touched. At first, they don't want to be helped. Why? Because the offense is fresh and it's like a wound that has that, that you have just received and it, you don't want nobody to touch. Just leave it alone. Leave it, leave it in. But you know you're going to have to get over. You know you're going to have to deal with the person's going to be restored, be healed. You're going to have to do. You can't leave it in the state that it is in, right? So at some point, somebody's going to have to administer some first aid. But when the person who's going to administer first aid begins to do so, that person who's going to administer knows that they must or should know that they must be as delicate and as gentle as possible. You see what I'm saying? So too it is with restoring a brother and a sister that is overtaken in a fall. You have to consider yourself lest you be tempted. A person who is hurt 
will initially lash out. They don't want to be touched. They don't want to be healed. They don't want to be, they don't want, they want to lead. They want the mad, but they don't realize they really don't want the mad because the mad just, it's, it's, it's a weight. But when you walk in the spirit of love is why the Bible says to restore a person, it got to be somebody that's spiritual. Why? Because it takes somebody that's spiritual to shrug off and to shake off the, the, the wounds and the blows that get thrown out that are not part of maliciousness, but are out of defense, a defensive posture or a defensive mechanism. Do you hear what I'm saying? You got to be led by the spirit. You got to be walking in the spirit so that you will choose the right words at the right time. You will undertake the right actions at the right place so that the healing that God wants to give can begin to be communicated through you and conferred upon that person and they can begin but you must understand that they are initially most times people will initially respond negatively that is a defensive mechanism i'm not making excuses some people are straight up wickedness that's true some people just straight up maliciousness ain't nothing you can do with that but i'm talking about that of that person that isn't that and even with the person that's malicious and the person that's all that you even then you won't necessarily know until you try you got to be walking in the spirit and if you're walking in the spirit, there's no way you can see your brother and your sister offended and hurt. And that don't move you. That don't bother you. No, you don't want to be like that. Luke 15, 4 through 11. Amen. Luke 15, 4 through 11. What man of you having a hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. More than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. And he said, amen. I'm stop at verse 10 there. Notice what he said in that verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Part of what it means to make sure a person is okay is that you got to restore them. 
is part of it is restoring them when they're overtaken in the fall. You see, what we do or do not do for Christ will last. Look at Matthew. I want you to look at chapter 25. Look at verse 31. And you can go through verse 46. When the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be the ga be gathered all nations and he shall separate one from the other as a sheep, her as a shepherd divided his sheep from goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Look at this, for I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we the sick or in prison? And came unto thee, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto also unto them that on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. And notice, and when you go through verse 42, all the way to 46, he repeats the same thing. I was hungry. I was a stranger. I was this. And you didn't do it. See, what you have for Christ, what you do for the Lord, that's what's going to last. What you do is going to last. And what you do not do is going to last. Restoring our brothers and sisters is important. Jesse, David's father, wanted to know if his sons were okay. Now, in order to do this, tokens, if you read the scripture back in Samuel, tokens of a soldier's health and safety were often sent home in order to confirm or as confirmation that the child was okay. Because remember, many of the soldiers were part of the militia. Some of them were part of the army, but other people were, were volunteers, okay? But nevertheless, it was always important because even if somebody goes off to fight and goes off to war, those that are left behind are left praying and hoping that their loved one will return. It's important. And so since in this case, they, the battle obviously wasn't necessarily that far away, 
the family was able to send provisions and also to check in on the family. And this was a common thing that happened during those times. And so usually what they would do, the token of life, so to speak, these tokens that the scripture is talking about, usually took the form of maybe a lock of hair or could have been a, a, a clipping of one of their nails or something. So whoever went to check on them would bring back something from them that would serve as a token, you know, cut a piece of hair or something like that. And it would bring that home. And that would serve as a token to let the parents know that the children were okay. Amen. So they would, that would serve as proof of life, in other words. Parents of the faith, let me segue into this here, must be concerned about the well-being of our children. But what does that mean? We as parents who are of the household of faith, we must be concerned about the well-being of our children. But oftentimes, we don't fully understand what that means. Is it just making sure that our children have the necessities, all the necessities or all the comforts of life? Is that what it is? Is that, does that, is that what it means? To be concerned about our children? Is it simply making sure they have as few of life's struggles as possible? Is that what it is? Is that what it means? To be concerned, just to make sure that they don't have to struggle too much or make sure they have all the necessities or all the comforts? Or, 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 or is it making sure that they have and can capitalize perhaps on as many of life's possibilities and adv advantages as possible, opportunities. Maybe that's it, is that it? Is that what it means to make sure or to be concerned about your children? Making sure they're able to take advantage of every one of life's uh, opportunities, is that what it is? It's, those are parts of it. Those are, th that, that's some of it. As parents, it is our responsibility. We want to do everything that we can to make sure that our children have as many of life's necessities, okay? It's not necessarily about the comfort, so to speak. If we can do that, 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 that that's cool, but it's not about all that, okay? In order of priority, necessities would trump comforts, okay? So it is responsible to make sure that there are the necessities. Also making sure as a parent, we, well, we don't, it is the desire of a good parent. We don't want our children to have to struggle, but they are gonna have to struggle. We just read in Matthew, the Lord said, offenses are going to come. There's gonna be problems. And that means even for our children, they're, they're gonna deal with some things. But still, nevertheless, we as parents, we don't want them to have to deal with, un, with unnecessary stuff. And as parents, we, we do want our children 
to be able to take advantage of um, good opportunities in life. We want them to do that. We want them to get schooling. We want them to get education. We want them to have some of these things. And you got to understand, it is number one, it is the will of God that parents provide for their children. Amen. That is the will of God. So it's not, it, it's not a loss of direction because you want some of these things. As long as you, you got it in the right perspective, you should be wanting and desiring these things. And that is part of what it means to be concerned because these are concerns. These are issues. Okay. You, God wants, uh, it is God's will that parents provide for their children. But on the same token, because of that, you need to understand something. God also has a problem with deadbeat parents. God has a problem with parents that refuse to take care. See, because it is his will that parents do take care of their children. Oh, God has a problem, a big problem with those parents, male or female, that refuse to take care of their children aka deadbeat parents see parents and this is heaven you need to understand this parents who don't who do not take care of their children and a lot of people don't know this but i'm i'm, I'm gonna say it and then i'm gonna prove it to you parents who don't take care of their children cannot make it into heaven uh-oh Oh, that's a that's some kind of statement, bro. Walk that's some kind of statement. Yes, I know. Just as we talked earlier about hatred, you ain't you can't get to heaven with with, with, with hatred. Remember the word of God says that that eternal life don't abide in him. You can you 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 ain't gonna have a holy you can't have a holy ghost living in anger and no no no. Eventually he's gonna check out. God's gonna check right on out of that. You won't go to heaven with hatred. But just like that, you also, and parent, people need to understand. See, this is why following the word of God is so important. You need to know what the word of God says. And a lot of people don't know that parents that who don't take care of their children, deadbeat parents cannot go to heaven. They don't realize that. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I want you to look at verse 8. I told you I'm going to tell it to you. And then I said, I'm going to prove it to you. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own. Uh-oh, who are we talking about? That's parents. That's family. <laughs> and especially for those of his own house. Uh-oh. 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 Somebody said, oh, man, you know, that just meant for, you know, I just need to do right by my uncle. I need to just do right by, by grandma. Uh-uh. 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 You better hear the word of God as it checks all of that unrighteousness and tears all of that down because the word of God is going to burn it all down so that you might come through pure and be refined the way God wants you. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith. Do you know what that means? That means you voided out your faith. That faith to believe that's required in order for you to make it to heaven, he's saying you voided it out. He have denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. An infidel simply means or translates to unbeliever. That's what it means. It means you are an unbeliever. It means that a parent who will not take care of their child 
can claim all day long that you Holy Ghost feel that you on the Lord's side. You ain't on God's side at all. He don't know you and you are headed right to hell. That's the word of God. But Brother Walker, that's hard, harsh and surely it can't, that can't be what it is. Turn to Revelation. Let's put a capstone on it then. Turn to Revelation. Look at 21. And I want you to look at verses 7 and 8. I told you we're going to prove it. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, okay? Now he's getting ready to talk about who ain't going to heaven. Now remember, I want you to keep in mind, Timothy said that that person is worse than an infidel. And the word infidel, talking about the person who don't take care of their family, that's your kids, that's all of that. That person is an infidel, which means they are an unbeliever. Now, let's see who the Bible says is going to the lake of fire. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and the what? Unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That don't sound like heaven. That ain't heaven to me. Heaven ain't got no fire and brimstone. It don't have that. It don't have a lake that's on fire. Uh-uh, hell got that. Heaven don't have that. And notice the, first, the second item on the list is unbelieving. I know that. I know that. I know that. You stick with me just a little bit longer. I want to make sure I want to I want to wrap this this I want to wrap this part up. Amen. Parents. It is God's will that we take care of our children. And there is no version of neglecting to do this whereby you're going to make it into heaven. Some people have fallen into various situations. And for one reason or not, or another, the marriages have fallen apart. This is not the will of God. God does not want that. But nevertheless, the Bible teaches that divorce is for the hard-hearted. That's what Jesus said. And nevertheless, there are some marriages that have fallen. And there are some situations where there was no marriage at all. But we operated in fornication. Oh, I'm hitting it hard. I'm hitting it all hard this morning. And the result of that was a child that did not ask to be here. Watch it. Watch where I'm going. But because of the relationship falling apart, whatever that relationship may have been, why is it that we have so many that have decided they can check out on their responsibility? Won't visit the child, won't do nothing with the child, and won't even pay child support because they think the other parent is going to get it or whatever else it is. 
Yet these same individuals have the nerve to call themselves Christian. You're not a Christian at all. You're not a believer. It's not possible to be a believer. And you not take care of your responsibility. Parent, mom, dad, you are responsible. Regardless of how the relationship that resulted in that child fell apart. You are responsible for taking care of that child. And there is no version where you can put off that responsibility and you can go to heaven. You're not going. I'm telling you right now, your flight is canceled. Your reservation for your room is void. You're not going anywhere. Your elevator is going down. I don't care what it is. The Bible says that if you don't do it, you're worse than an infidel, which means you are an unbeliever. And the Bible says the unbelieving will have their part in the lake of fire. I know some people make it hard to be in the lives of their, your children. Do the best that you can. If all that you got at this point is the ability to pay child support, then do that. And keep pushing forward. Keep doing what you can to be in that child's life so that you can train them up in the way of God. But what, Brother Walker, what if my, what, what, what if I, my, my children are gone? I ain't never paid no child support. I don't care if you have to pay retro. Do what you can. Because God is watching. And he know that when you have the opportunity, you didn't do a thing for that child while they were coming up and before they were able to take care of themselves. You still not off the hook. You got income or you bringing something in, then do what you can now to support that child or to help them where they need. Because you can't abandon your own talking about you making it to heaven. And it's a whole lot of people that have shut up their bowels of compassion through their own and think that they're going to heaven. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a whole lot of people. And guess what? And these, these people go to church every day. These are folks who, these, these folks who read the word. But don't realize you ain't following that word. You follow the part that's convenient for you. You do what you are supposed to do. You take care of those children. You influence, you do what you can, grown or not. Do what you are supposed to do. Because God is watching. Amen. We'll stop right here. We'll pick it up next week. We're going to continue dealing with uh, the children. And uh, I'm telling you, it's some good stuff. I know that's heavy, but some of you need to hear that. And I pray that you will, um, that, that you're going, that you're going to rise up and operate according to the word. And that that word is going to set you free because he who the son sets free is free indeed. I'm going to stop the recording here. Wow.